episode 445 of the Countdown Podcast. Oh, Jesus. In which we're going to count down the top 10 glorious scenes for you. Well, I'm scared. Anyone else hard? Hell, <laughs> yeah, we can start nice the show. Work. Nice work, buddy. On that one. Welcome along to the show. As mentioned, this is the Countdown. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And top 10 goriest film scenes is what Wayne has agreed to. Much to my surprise. <laughs> slash agreed to or strong-armed into? <laughs> Same shit, different bucket. Column A, a little bit of column exactly. B. So we're looking forward to this one for, of course, Halloween 2023. This is our annual scary slash ghosty slash horror related episode where Wayne relents. And because he didn't have to watch a horror movie this year, Which is he relented something. a little bit easier. Exactly. So, yes, yeah. we are doing. Now, we want to talk a little bit about how he came at this list because I've gone <laughs> hardcore old school Bro. gore. Bro. Wayne, yeah. we, as we discussed, you could come at it slightly differently and would allow us both to play jazz with this list. Exactly. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we, like, I mean, it's well known that I don't know shit about horror movies and in fact, actively dislike them. So, this is going to be Paul show. Okay? He will actually have the proper goods for you horror fans out there. Bro, he'll talk about stuff that's so objectionable that it makes me, well, shit my pants. So... <laughs> Exactly. Whereas <laughs> I will have this like Disney ass list where it's like, you know, by comparison where it'll be stuff that did actually irk me and surprise and like kind of gross me out. But it's going to be bullshit compared to Paul's. Right. And then this dude's leg went up his own hole or something. Right? <laughs> I don't know what it is you people watch. I'm not right? quite that, but I do have uh, parts of person being put back into there a person. You go. So See, yeah. it'll be all that shit. So, In other you words, know, Wayne is... I stand resolute, <laughs> motherfucker. Not so much. I actually tried to go as gross as I could, it Paul. It's still going to pale in comparison to you, but whatever. You know, we'll just see if we have any of the same on. Doubtful. Oh, maybe one There's or one I'm thinking There's I put this on the list. That because maybe. you know I've seen it. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it, it, that could work that particular way. Now, we don't have any listener feedback, so no pop. No, no, sorry, no recount for you this week. Which is fine. Straight into it, I say. Well, we will go straight into it, but there is a small thing we do need to get to. <laughs> Sigal Watch. This was a surprise. Go ahead, Polly. Ah, Steven Seagal, the gift that keeps on giving. This one comes courtesy of the Facebook listening community. Links in the show notes. Get involved in the conversations there when quality efforts like this come to our attention. This one comes from John Huslander, uh-huh. patron of the show, good friend of the show, who said basically, here's a link to an article or an interview with Jean-Claude Van Damme from The Telegraph in mm. the UK. And apparently he was offered... $20 million to fight Steven Seagal in Vegas in their heyday. Really? Steven Seagal backed out. Ah! But what I thought was quite funny was in the... Because unfortunately, this article cuts off. You have to pay for it to read the rest of it. <laughs> and we're not doing that. No, we're not. Uh, but the opening part was Van Damme said, well, basically, of course I'm going to win. If him and I fight... I run faster than him, much faster. <laughs> I would run away. He's going to try to catch me. He's going to get out of shape. I come back and fight. Do you like the technique? That's the quote from John Claude <laughs> Van Damme. So apparently he's gone to school on the your technique of fighting students again. Absolutely. Seagal. See, this is, a, this is a winning combination. Now, you know what? There's actually a, a, an interview out there with Steven Seagal where an interviewer said, who do you think one of the best martial artists is out there? And then he goes, like, Van Damme in Hollywood? And Steven Seagal actually... Mirthfully goes, can I laugh in your face? Is the actual thing Steven Seagal says. The interviewer goes, really? He goes, absolutely. And then he just goes on to rubbish Van Damme. Right? This would have been around the same yeah, time. I'm sure it would right? have been. But and this article's current. 
this, uh, oh. this, this review, he's talking about reflecting on it, and apparently he's creating a whiskey or some shit now, or something along those lines. And that's John Claude Van Damme's new venture. <laughs> but he did also go on to say that, in his opinion, Arnie, good guy, Stallone, good guy, Statham, good guy. All his ire is reserved for Steven Seagal. Absolutely, like the so. rest of the world, because he was in that Expendables movie with all of those guys yes. except Seagal. Yeah. So Seagal uh, ain't never getting a fucking Guernsey in that. Oh, fucking hell. Could you imagine that? That would be the worst thing ever. It would be. All right. Well, look, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you very, very much. Very quick opener. Just to check back in with Steven Seagal and his continuing cuntiness <laughs> to us all. <laughs> nice and one. on that front, Wayne, let's do this. Let's get straight into it. All right. I definitely got to start because you're right. bringing the class. I'm bringing the ass. All right. Oh. <laughs> that's how it is. <laughs> it's pretty much the way you describe it our lives. Pretty much it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my number 10 is from 1982. You see, Ooh. Paul... I was, I've never liked horror movies, but my dad sort of convinced me to sort of watch this one. And it was a PG, so we figured oh, it would be fine. I thought it was going to be The Thing. I didn't think of it as a horror movie. I thought it was sci-fi, but then you told me it was horror. And Definitely you're right. a horror movie. Right, so it's Poltergeist, Paul. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Oh, uh, I know which bit you're talking about. Yes, In because I didn't expect it. This is a PG film, okay, ladies and gentlemen. And there's a scene where the yeah, investigator, he's just like chilling around the kitchen and stuff. And he sees kind of like a... You know, he sees like a piece of steak or something move on the counter. And he's like, what's going on here? What's going on here? And then it turns out this is some kind of flashback or something or something that happens to him. But he goes into the mirror and freaks out and his skin starts bubbling and he starts tearing his own face off. Now, face off. Now, it's it's, it's the 80s. It was an 82 movie, but by the time I saw it, it was like 85. So I guess I was 10 years old. And so... He starts ripping his face off, and you can see the teeth and the jaws and the eyeballs and the this and that. How did this even happen in a PG this film? This is a classic example of how this is before PG-13 existed, so it's PG-R. Oh, my God. And and it was, it's basically a family in peril film, which is scary, other than this really super kind of gross bit. It was really gross, and I had never really, at my you know tender age of 10, I didn't even think what heads look like without skin on them, Paul. <laughs> so to see eyeballs and that, and him ripping it off and screaming... Traumatized me for a good five, six years after that. So, uh, Poltergeist. It's one of the reasons why you hate horror. Yeah. You could probably track it back to things like this or this. So, there you are. All right. My number 10 is probably not, not well, makes sense. Not the goriest scene. No, no. Scene. It's supposed to be. So I bet you yours is still harder than mine. Well, but it is a spectacularly epic scene, which starts with a moment of absolute amazing gore and not degenerates, but gets bigger and bigger in terms of explosions mm-hmm. and death and mayhem. And I'm talking about. The accident in Final Destination 2. Uh, could you, could now, you go into some scene. detail? Yeah, Final Destination 2, of course, the series, which I maintain is one of the best horror film franchises, doesn't have a bad entry in that franchise as far as I'm concerned. It does continue to spin the wheel and not really do much different, sure. but it always comes up with new and inventive ways of killing people. This whole premise being that if you cheat death and don't die when you are meant to, death has a design that will come back around and take you out in this weirdly obscure, out-of-the-way kind of way, usually quite gory and ridiculous, Yes, at least after the first film. I will tell you that I actually, as horror movies go, I didn't mind a lot of these. Number two is set the template for what was to come. So number one is generally, it was actually, I believe, an unused X-Files script. Is that so? And it was a lot more atmospheric and a lot less bloodthirsty and light. I mean, there's certainly some shocking deaths as one dude steps... Oh, the chick, bus? I think. The, the bus? bus, yes, in the first that one. That no one heard coming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, that's why I complain about a lot of things these days when I watch like, mm. uh, you do have five senses. Exactly. Right? But anyway, in this one, it went with the huge over-the-top inciting event. Rather than just a plane blowing up in the sky, this was a big accident on a major American highway. Yep, I remember this one. And there's a whole bunch of logs stacked mm-hmm. up on the back of a truck with whole chains that are holding him in place. A chain snaps. 
the logs fall off the side mm-hmm. and at the high speed that the trucks and the cars around them are going at bounce and start to fly through the air and just you know hit Take the cars. Out, yeah. And the very first person that dies is the deputy slash sheriff where the the log goes straight through, bounces and goes straight through the windscreen mm-hmm. and you see it from the side, come out the back or sort of side yeah. rear shot, smash straight through where he was and this pink gore spray comes out the other side that <sighs> smashes through the rear view window as well. Is and it then, slower? Yeah, in, yeah. in slow mo, it's spectacular. And then, meanwhile, all the other cars are slamming the brakes on and flipping, and some incredible cinematography. In it, this, it actually in this was. Scene. It actually was. And some pretty good effects for two thousand and three, which is twenty years ago when this film came out. And then, you know, most of the other cars explode and whatever. There's one dude who's the car at the top of the car is being knocked off, and he's burning to death in his car, and he's screaming, his, his flesh and stuff is peeling away. But then everyone else is just being blown up. Effectively, it's such an effective sequence, and yeah, there's only one minute moment of gore, but it's so memorable. And I just wanted that whole sequence in here. So that's my number 10. Can I, on that note, can I just tell you about how my process of getting through this was? It was, um, I only started writing my list on sort of like Thursday night, Friday night, right? Yeah, I was um, away this week. So I didn't really start working until on the plane on the way back yesterday. Yeah. So Friday night, I got nothing to do. I'm at home. Okay. So let's start, let's start the list. So, and that involves me going online and actually just looking at scenes, right? Yeah. About 20 gross scenes <laughs> in, I actually had to go, you know what? It's nearly time for me to go to sleep, and I can't have this shit in my head while I'm falling asleep, or I'll fucking kill myself when I wake up, right? So, Bitch, please. I'm like, this is bullshit. Fuck everyone. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> and that's where the show almost ended. Yeah, I'm suddenly going, oh, for fuck's sake. So, anyway, y'all people are sick. All right, word. <laughs> yeah, I saw your, your reply to my uh, my post in the list for asking for listeners' feedback, which we will get to, of course, at the end of the episode. Wayne, oh, by the way, on that same note, because mm. my daughter and I and my wife share the same sort of YouTube account. I had to go through and, and delete my whole history, knocking off all the things that were these huge gory kills as I rewatched them to order things today. Oh my god! Yes, do that. <laughs> yes. Is it, I think there's a kids account you can do with premium. You can do like she only has access to the kids. Stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I haven't, haven't looked that far into be it. Be advised. Um, okay. My number nine, ladies and gentlemen, is from the movie Hannibal. Hannibal. Okay. Yeah, I think I know a bit. You're talking yeah. about, please. Now it's basically the brain-eating scene yeah, yeah. where at the I end was, is it Ray Liotta towards the end? Yes, yep. Ray Liotta. I was very surprised to see Ray Liotta actually sign up for this, but essentially how it works is Julianne Moore is at a dinner table with Hannibal. She's bound. Ray Liotta has is an asshole FBI guy who is you're supposed to hate, and Hannibal, for wh- however <laughs> way he does this, yeah. yes, he's there and he kind of like pretty sure he's drugged him. He's right? drugged or something. But he manages to actually cut his entire head, the top of his head off, lift it off, exposing his brain, and then cuts bits of his brain, puts it on a plate, and makes him eat it. <laughs> and he's all like, what the... And I was sitting there going, what's happening right now? That was what? the most bizarre film. It was one. the... And you know what else? I'm told reliably by someone who read the book. Yeah. Who I'm surprised it's not you. No. Um, I, I've never read any of those Tom, okay. Thomas Harris books. Thomas Harris, yeah. In that book, right, the way that it's played in the movie is Julianne Moore is almost thrown out. She's like, oh, because well, she's seeing this dude eat his own brain, right? Yep. As you would, I assume. As you would, as I did when I saw <laughs> it on the movie. But in the book, she's actually like, she eats the side of the brain and goes, give me more, give me more. It's gross, okay? Mm. I don't even, because the idea behind the book is that... He's corrupting her. Well, she actually loves Hannibal, but she loves the FBI more. So that, that's what apparently the book is like. Obviously, okay. I can't corroborate any of that shit. But I. I can corroborate that this shit was fucked up. Yep. And I'm like, don't eat your own brain, Ray. <laughs> 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 I 
He didn't know. He didn't know, really. but it was such a wackadoodle. Do- I just, yeah. That it, whole movie was really badly received and from memory. That's the only thing I remember about it. Paul. Yeah, well. It's like, was it 2001? Yeah. <laughs> Forget yeah. about it. And obviously, Jodie Foster didn't want to come back for it. So she obviously read that script and went, nah. Oh, she was playing Clarice, wasn't she? Yeah. Julianne Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Wow. Okay. There's my number nine. Ugh. Fair enough. My number nine is one, which this one I thought might make your list, Wayne. Go on. It's from Hot Fuzz. Oh. Oh, the steeple? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I thought because it was so funny. It was, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, look, but it's it's stupid gross, but because it, it's played for laughs. There's a few on my list that are played for laughs. Uh, see, I was I was going with the ones that scarred me emotionally. Right. But, <laughs> but good I can see people seeing this and go, oh my God, like, you know, vomit a bit in their mouth type stuff. Because totally. Tim Messenger, by the way, clever name for the journalist. <laughs> that, those whole scripts, again, I want to come back to, I know... The World's End is not as good. We don't like it as much, but still, they are such clever scripts, Honestly, all three of them. You mentioning it sort of so often on this show has sort of made me think, maybe I should revisit it because I've only seen it once. And I remember just going, oh, I was expecting Hot Fires and I got this. Yeah, or Shaun of the Dead. And again, I don't think it's as good, but I think it's better than we initially gave it credit for. Yeah. So anyway, Tim Messenger, played by Adam Buxton, he's about to be murdered, some gloved, co- uh, cowed figure is at the top of this big church and it basically shoves off the top of this steeple sort of stone masonry and it's falling towards him. Nicholas Angel sort of walks around the corner and it goes straight into his head. That's right. The top of the spike goes into the top of his head. Now, you have to imagine this (laughs) because it then embeds, it splatters his head. Like his head disappears. And the whole top half of his body is just his head. Not really because it goes straight through where his head is. Yeah, into his his body. So he's standing there sort of staggering around for a few moments. With this upside down steeple on him. Steeple stone masonry thing parapet embedded in him and then slumps over and falls to the ground and remember remember, when it happens it has to displace his entire head so it's this shower of gore that's it yeah very amusing uh i remember like holy shit yeah and i'm like oh yeah there's a bit of edgar wright sensibilities coming into play right there it gets in there because it's so out not out of place because there is a very tonal funness to that film but very shockingly gory for a film which wasn't that way at all up until that point in time well it reminds me of um this is not on my list, but like uh, Tropic Thunder, when Steve Coogan steps on the landmine and he explodes and into boom, a sh- it click. Oh, <laughs> right, and the show, and then later on, like Ben Stiller's picking up his head and, uh, and licking it, and I'm like, oh my god, because he thinks he it's thinks fake. It's fake. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, so that's the same kind of tone, but yeah, yours, yours is definitely up there, my friend. Thank you. All nice right, Wayne, what do you got for number eight? Uh, my number eight is uh, I saw this film with Paul, and Paul took great delight in me going what like this, <laughs> right? It's um. It's it chapter one. Ooh. Now here's what happened. Remember, before the movie starts, it all looks very nice. It all looks very oh, what's going on here? And then what happens? Is oh, of course, the boy, right? Yeah. Georgie, the boy, who, by the way, is a cute, sweet young boy. Yep. Which makes it worse because if the kid was annoying and ugly, I wouldn't care as much. So, it's he walks around and he sees like something in the motherfucking like drain, right? And it's like fucking Pennywise. Sorry, saying shit everyone to out there who's not as good looking as Georgie. But the thing is, the kid was clearly innocent. That's the problem. Yes. Whereas a naughty kid can go fuck himself. Well, so- uh, <laughs> ugly kids can be innocent, Wayne. I said ugly and annoying, Paul. Oh, so- <laughs> fair enough. If you're annoying, deserve to get and your evil. arm ripped some off. Evil. I've seen some evil ass kids, right? But this was George. Anyway, he goes in there and, like, for whatever reason, loses his whatever. Was it a balloon down there or some shit? I can't remember because I'm still traumatized, right? No, it's his boat. Boat, that's right. It's the, the boat. boat that Bill made for him. That's right. So he goes down there, Paper and Pennywise is, a, is you know coaxing him in. And, and at that stage, I'm like, ooh, because I'd never Such seen it. Such a good it. scene. I'd never seen it <sighs> before. All right, I didn't know what happened in it, but I knew there was a damn clown in a goddamn drain. That's it. So I'm like, 
oh, look at this kid doing this and whatever. And they're like, oh, he's got the book. What's going to happen here? And the whole time in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but it's a kid. They're not going to do anything too bad to him, right? They're not going to do anything <laughs> bad. <laughs> Goes in, chomp the fucking like Pennywise eats. Was it both his arms or one, one arm? One arm, I think. One arm, chomp, and it's like ah! And then the kid pulls out, and there's this kid with a bleeding, Straight missing stump. arm, yeah. and he's screaming and yelling, and you can see his beautiful little innocent face, like just. And I went, "What the fuck?" Kind of shit. I was like, "Oh my god!" Which means now that the movie is not pulling any punches because they'll totally dismember a child. Well, because that film is all about kids in peril, all about, and that they're all, they're older than Georgie is in. In that film, there is oldest his older brother and, and his friends. Yeah, but still, that boy got his fucking arm bit off yeah. by a fucking clown in a motherfucking dream, and it was not like it wasn't like off screen. You saw it, right? And so I was like, "This is fucked up." And Great film. Admit it. Look, admit it. What a pity the second one couldn't live up to it. Yeah, it was surprisingly good as it, as befits a horror. But for me, I was traumatized. So there you are, Paul. Number- leading to sorry, that was number eight. Please. My apologies for stepping on you there. Go on, go on. Leading to one of the, I think the creepiest scenes at all. You know when when he sees George in the in the basement, which is flooded, <sighs> and he's like, "We all float down here. We yes. all float in here. We all." And it turns into Pennywise, who then comes charging like a shark across the blood, the, the basement filled with water that, at Bill. Oh, dude, that entire shit. film, right? Because here's the thing about these these uh, these gore scenes: if it's played, if it's like the hot fuzz gore, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. It's when it's sadistic and when it's oh, like... Oh, hold, you know, on, hold on to your hat there. For oh, my, I know. A I number know. eight and several others on my list. Oh, my God. And that's what it is. But yes, the, it is like scare the... It, it's, I can see this is a shit your pants kind of show for me. For you, it's hilarious. But yeah, I there mean, you go. I don't, don't get me wrong. Some of these things that disturb you on my list and disturb me as well. And I mean, I've, I've gone with it. Yeah, that's we'll, why my we'll list We'll get, goes. We'll get to my one. At the end, yeah. But I've certainly got some disturbing shit through here, including one from my childhood that probably molded my love of horror and gore. Which we'll get to uh, when we get to it. dream come true. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to lament for a moment, though. You've brought up the fact that when I was coming back, because I, as you're aware, the good listeners, regular listeners are aware, spent some time in the states, mm. and then had to go to work for Sydney, and had the absolute pleasure of catching up with the We Watch the Thing hosts, B Dizzle, hey B, aka Billy and David Powell, hey D, both patron extraordinaires of the show as well, and we, we had a had a great night out together. So shout out to you, gentlemen. Thank you very much again for that. But coming back through the airport, you know, I was wandering through the book section because I don't read many books anymore. And I'm like, oh, there's two Stephen King novels here. And I picked one up. One's called Fairy Story. Oh, a new like, one? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Newish one. And there's another one there. And they're, they're both like, they're, he's, he is so soft cock now, Stephen King. Why? Like, the, this is the guy who wrote that scene. Yes. Wrote George's arm being torn off. As far as I know, he's sick. In 85, give or take. Yep. And now, almost 40 years later, and all right, you know, he's gotten older and he's mellowed with age. He's writing about, oh, there's a door in the closet and he goes into it. He's in a fairyland or this kid's in a fairyland. I'm like, oh my God, what happened to you, Is Stephen that the blue King? on the back of the book? Something like that. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, see, here's the thing. At a certain age, it doesn't pay you to be edgy anymore because you're just sad. I mean, <laughs> he, he can write whatever the fuck he wants. His army, of his legion of fans will lap it up. But yeah, I'm yeah. just like, there's a reason I tapped down Stephen King about 20 years ago. And there's no reason for me to go What's back. What's the last Stephen King book you wrote? You oh, the last one I really, really liked yeah. was probably Tommy Knockers. Okay. Yeah. That's from the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. If only, yeah. It's such a great career to be a writer, though, because you can just like... Oh, I mean, yeah. Not yeah. knocking him. He's obviously one of the most successful people in the world. I'm just saying, I, I, I wish he was more the way he was. I literally took one of his books with me to America, which is a bunch of his short stories, hoping we might get a few that are a bit more of the yeah. disturbing kind. And? Oh, look, I only got halfway through the first story. I got bored. Oh, jump ship. Fair enough. Uh, All right. Anyway. All right. So uh, my number eight is 
based on or comes from a film I watched as part of the Slasher podcast, just to mention that briefly, which is coming to its end. So please check out my sideshow, which is about almost finished. New York Ripper, it's called. From New nine, York Ripper. 1982. All right. And this is directed by Lucio Fulci, who directed about four billion films, but he was a most renowned here in the West for being a horror film director, and he did like the uh, rip-off version of Dawn of the Dead called Zombie. In, he's an Italian filmmaker. Oh. And then so Americans ripped off his shit, and so he decided to rip it back and make the most misogynistic, nasty... Ugly film, not not ugly. It's, it's well shot. It's good cinematography. It's all good for the no, for nineteen eighty two. But in terms of thematically, ugly, yeah, uh, yeah, it just follows this guy in New York City who's brutally murdering women, and oh. you find out why by the end of the movie. And here's the quirk to the film: <laughs> oh god, he talks in a Donald Duck voice. What? <laughs> Are you kidding? No. Is it like voiceover, or does he just <laughs> no, talk to people? Like, <laughs> I, I can't do. Oh my me. god, no, that's pretty good. <laughs> He was doing that. Really? Is it like, is he trying to beat on a duck? Or is that just his, his affliction? No, no. Like, he's doing that to hide his, his oh. persona. Wait, is this a good... He, sorry, is this, do you consider this a good movie for? I think it's very effective at being very unsettling and you feel like you need three showers after you watch mm-hmm. it. So I guess it's good, but I didn't enjoy it at all. That See, that's what I don't get about the horror movies. And there's a scene in this one where he's got the detective who's investigating him, who's like a 50-year-old, maybe a 55-year-old dude, who's got this super hot young woman he's sleeping with. You want to find out later she's a sex worker. Anyway, <laughs> right. he's got the sex worker tied to the bed and he's on the phone to the police detective taunting him in a Donald Duck voice. Good God. What? So weird. When he grabs a scalpel, oh. uh, a, a blade, sorry, a razor blade, my apologies, a razor blade, and he starts cutting open her torso. Ugh. And he slices straight through a nipple. Ah, oh, God! <laughs> Enough with the nipple stuff, people. I have sensitive nipples. It's really, really like tough for me to hear that. God damn. Well, what gets me is eyes. And then he starts slicing oh, down God. her forehead, down through her eye. And like the makeup effects for 82. It's all practical, remember, of course, this stage. I'm going to throw up. Slices <laughs> through her eyeball, which is you know, rotating. She's screaming her head off, as you can imagine. You know, she's tied to the bed. And... Through her eye, which fills with blood as it slices through the eye, and then out. It's so disturbing. It what is. the hell? Whoa. You watch this on purpose, people. <laughs> what the hell? This is gross. Um, so, which, ugh. to my mind, is about as extreme as any kill got in 1982, short of you know some of the really obscure. Is this your number fucking eight? eight? Yeah, yeah. What the hell is gonna come? <laughs> you will find I out. I want to back out now. <laughs> All right, don't be a bitch. Let's get on with it. All right, Morgan, watch, your, freak. watch your number seven. Jesus. Well, my number seven is a fucking softball. Um, <laughs> it's motherfucking... So I watched this again the other day and it was very distressing to me. It's actually the scene from Saving Private Ryan, the beach scene. Yeah, I can see that. And the, the probably the bit that is most... The thing that got me, which I wasn't expecting for a war film, was the guy on the beach who was looking through his own entrails... And screaming for his mother. Yeah. Uh, now, the actual... He's another guy's arm gets blown off and he picks it up is, and he's yes, walking around. That is, and, and he's almost casually looking yeah. around for his arm and then picks it up because his arm is blown off. Now, when I look at it again, because I remember going, I can't ever watch the beginning of that movie again. Oh, God, right? I love it. And it now, so amazing. when filmed. I saw it again, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm now sort of academically looking at what Steven Spielberg did because he took out like... Frames. He, he took out frames. He took out 80% of the color to yep. make it look like a doco, to make it feel like this. And you're seeing this young-looking, surprisingly young-looking Tom Hanks when you're looking at it. Um, that was 24 years ago. Was it really? 25, maybe. 98, 99, I can't remember. Wow. And then that's the... And it was just... What it was was... Um, 
when you're shocked by the brutality, because some of it is just like you're helping another guy who's just gotten down, then you get shot in the head. Oh, and the guy falls. like pings off his helmet. Yeah, he's and the like, guy's lucky, like, motherfucker. lucky motherfucker. Boom, and you see the light off. go out in his eyes. Yep. And I'm like, you know what this actual thing is? It's that it's distressing initially, but then right after that, it's just sad. Like, it's just like, it's just harrowing. It's harrowing. And it's like, these guys actually did this stuff. And I remember seeing a doco where these people, the guys who, who, who actually landed on Omaha Beach in that day, these old guys said, that's exactly how it fucking was. And I'm like, yeah, this I've, is insane. I haven't seen, I've, I've heard anecdotal reports from 25 years ago from people who fought in war saying, that's as close as you'll ever get. And the, the and God forbid should anyone else ever, ever experience Oh my that. God. And that's it. And hopefully, you know, well, this is the thing though, right? Well, like, for a Spielberg movie to do this, I remember he did Schindler's List five years before. But Schindler's List was what the worst thing that happened in Schindler's List is the old guy and they're trying to shoot him, but his gunman malfunctions. No, and it's then all implied. The, it's, all it's all implied. This isn't implied. I, I this is straight but in your face. I think face. The, t- the the tone of Schindler's List is even more dour and down than that. Oh, it's because ultimately in Schind- in Saving Private Ryan they win. Yeah, the, the Allies win. They get out uh, Matt Damon and Ryan, and yeah, it co- comes at the cost of more than half of their crew but they they, they succeed it, it ends almost on a high Schindler's List doesn't really end on a well it does kind of end on a high but, but like still no I know what you mean but the like, holocaust happened yeah oh exactly that, again that's yeah but again like you said it's all implied in there. we're talking about gore this this Schindler's this, like, this right here Saving Pride Ryan it's like in your face yeah it's right there and it doesn't let up like that whole scene I'm like sitting there I think when it was over I was like <sighs> I had to exhale or something. Well, the first time I saw it, so it's just a surprise. So for Steven Spielberg, he's a badass. Yeah, look again, another man who a little bit like Stephen King. Maybe it's the name Stephen. <laughs> the last fifteen years of his career have been nowhere near as effective either. I don't know our uh, our friend, my friend yeah. Jason from the yeah. Slash Podcast yeah. and Binge Movies. Of course, mm-hmm. he has said Steven Spielberg is no, no longer, longer relevant. Yeah. And I haven't seen the Fablemans yet. Still haven't got around to watching it. That was on Jason's top ten list oh, last look, year. If you think he's softballed? <laughs> Since Brid- then, Bridge of fucking it. spies. This well, West Side Story. <laughs> I mean, look. You, some people say it's all downhill since Jaws, which I disagree with. No, right? come on. Yeah. By the way, I heard a really funny joke the other day. Liam Neeson's cock is so big <laughs> when he gets aroused, his asshole starts farting the theme from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get it, but it's hilarious. I just think we need some light brevity in this show, Paul. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I'm just assuming people are taking brevity out of your reactions. <laughs> Because I certainly am. My number seven then, moving along, comes from a splatter slasher film which was made on the absolute cheap in 2016. It's called Terrifier. All right. I've heard people talk about this and I almost looked it up. It's on your list to have to watch when we finally meet our obligations from the live stream for The Cure. I'm not watching this. This is the film that you've been told to watch. You have to watch. We pay money. People donate money for it, Wayne. Here's what you're on. This is the worst part of the film. Okay. Great, please tell me all about it. This follows Art the Clown, who is this Another clown. mime. So he doesn't ever speak, doesn't ever make a noise through the course of the film, no matter what he's doing to people or what eventually might get done to him. Okay, my soul, my soul. Got it. And he's got the two main girls he's following in the film. He's got both of them tied up. One's tied to a chair, watching what he's about to do to the other girl. The other girl is tied up, inverted, suspended. So she's, her legs are tied up in the ceiling. And oh. he grabs a hacksaw, Wayne. And he starts soaring... At nether region level. Oh, my God. And bisects her, saws her. All the way down. All the way down until she gets to her face. We get a shot of him soaring through her face as the blood and gore and whatever else. So I want to give a big shout out here to the actress who's playing that role, the character of Dawn, Catherine Cochran. 
How awful that must have been. I know it's a low-budget film. I'm sure she wasn't hanging up there for days on end, but still. She lay there while they poured whatever fake blood and viscera over her. That's a hell of an achievement, I think. I think it's an achievement. No, none of this is an achievement. It's you at, people are sick. It's dis- <laughs> that, it made me sit up and take notice of this film. Because up to then, I'm like, yeah, people have raved about this movie. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. They went there. So that it pinged on my radar that hard. That's why Terrifier. And its sequel, Terrifier 2, are well-renowned in the gore splatter circles. I saw this mentioned in the community about people. Everyone mentioned this one. Mm -hmm. Um, And quick shout-out to Brianna Petty, who was one of the people who mentioned it. Uh, She said that last week you were talking about Fright Night. Yep. And I said, oh, the one with Jim Carrey? And he went, no. Jim Carrey? She she texted me uh, over the week and said, you're thinking of Once Once Bitten. Bitten. Yes, Yes, Brianna, you are spot on. (laughs) So thank you for that. And uh, anything to help me stop thinking about a woman getting sword in half. <laughs> <laughs> right, what are you off your number six? Oh my god, this is such a sh- I'm such a softball <laughs> compared to you. All right, this one is like a little bit like okay, here it is. There was a movie, ladies and gentlemen, in like 2018 that me and Paul reviewed on this show called Overlord. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got it on 4K. I haven't got around to rewatching Do it. You know yet. why? Because it's a really good film. Yeah, with uh, Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell and another guy. And so many, it was, other, many other guys. Yeah, a, many other two, guys. A, a small squad of soldiers in World Nazi Germany. Yes, yeah, yeah. so this is actually a World War II film, and well, hence I, I did. I in France, wherever they are. Uh, yeah, well, it's during World War II, but they are against Nazis who are, in fact, doing their usual Nazi lab experiment things, okay? Yeah. And what happens is the lead, well, White Russell's the lead. There's another African American dude, or I don't know his name, and he was the, he's sort of the lead lead, but. He, at one stage, goes down and they infiltrate this Nazi bunker and then there's this, this lab down the bottom. And he's walking around and he's just on his own. He doesn't know what he's doing. They're trying to blow up this lab, but like, you know, things have happened. And he hears a French woman pleading for help. He, you can't see anything. You just hear this, you know, in French, she's saying, help me, help me, help me. And when he goes there, there's this some, there's sort of this sheet over something where he's coming, the sound is coming from. He pulls it and there's just a head and a spine that's looking up and it's a French woman and it's, there's artificial lungs to keep her alive. There's no body. And she's saying, help me, help me in a French accent, turns around and looks at him. And I'm like, I just didn't expect it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm, there was a time there where most days I think about the French spine woman. <laughs> it was just... Most days. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what's wrong with these people? That lives rent-free in Wayne's head. Unfortunately. Like, it's a World War II, but it devolves into this sort of a zombie pseudo sci-fi yeah, horror yep. thing. Having said that, though, I will tell you that... The- Directed by Julius Avery, who unfortunately has gone on to direct The Pope's Exorcist. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, at least he's stuck form. But, like, the opening scene of this film is the, is the entire company paratrooping into, mm-hmm. I think, France. And it is one of the most intense scenes for them to jump out of this plane, which is getting shot at and stuff. It's really good. So it's a good film. Yeah, I'm still not going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I again, think it's but, quite uh, underrated. I yeah, would you should yeah. you should check out Overlord if you're listening to this show. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think half people listening just to hear your reactions and are probably skipping through my descriptions. Uh, in that case, you want to skip like through it. my number six because this comes from a French film from 2007, part of that sort of French wave of horror, which really took over the world 15, 20 years ago. It's called Inside or Alien Interior. by Alexandre Bustillo and Julian Mori. And this film follows a demented older woman who's trying to break into this pre- young, pre- very pregnant woman's house and is trying to get to her. And eventually the film does River Why, which I won't spoil even though the film is 16 years old. And... Anyway, I'm about to spoil the ending, though. Go ahead, bro. I don't so, want to see this shit. If you want to see inside that premise alone, and it is very bloodthirsty, it's very gory, incidental people come in and they get dispatched ruthlessly by this woman. So just know that part. Now, 
skip forward 90 seconds if you're at all interested in what's going on here. So they beat and burn and whatever each other to the point of death for both of them. The pregnant woman and this old and, woman. And this older woman. Got it. And like the Got pregnant it. woman burns half her face off at one point in the film. Mm. She's still going, still coming at her. And then the baby starts to come. Oh, my God. Because the trauma of all oh this. Oh, my God. The baby's starting to come out, but it gets stuck. And so the pregnant woman says to this woman who's been trying to kill it all along, basically says, do it. Do what you've been wanting to do the whole, do it. And so then the film reveals what the gambit is. Okay, here's the spoiler again. At the very start of the film, it starts off with a car accident and this woman is a survivor. She... The, the pregnant woman or the, the other pregnant woman? woman? Yep. The other woman was driving the other car and her kid was killed. Right. And, and who, who she, hit who? Was the pregnant woman hit The her? pregnant woman's the oh, fault. Oh, so it's revenge. Yes, it's a revenge film. She's coming for her kid because she's lost her oh. own from that's my vague memory of the way it is or at least oh, whatever her no. family, all her family were killed, whatever it was. So she starts, put, cuts open her dress shirt, whatever it is, Ugh. grabs a pair of scissors, Ugh. sticks it into her very pregnant belly and Ugh. starts cutting upwards. Ugh. Opens up her gut and that point it cuts away you see, and then pulls, basically pulls the baby out. But it is so, like... To have such violence and wait, does, wreaked is, upon a... What does she do with the baby? Oh, she, she cuddles it and nurtures oh, it. Oh, so she wants the baby yeah. to replace hers. Yes. This is fucked up. And, you people are and, fucked and up. And the, the, the protagonist dies. Because, of course, you get cut open in a C-section in the middle of nowhere. You're not going to survive. So, yeah, it is harrowing, that film. It is intense. It is full on. It is well worthy of a place. list. my number six, Inside. After this episode, I'm going to take a few lectures. <laughs> I'm going to have some Mexican, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, ladies, uh, that's your number four, six? Six. How can it get worse than... All right. There is worse than that. God damn it. All right, my number five, ladies and gentlemen, is from a movie called Annihilation. Do you remember this show, Paul? It was a Natalie Portman film that was on the Netflixes. Yeah. And what happens Which is... Okay, it's actually called The Mutant Bear Scene. Mm-hmm. Now, so they're um, tied to the chair by yes, the crazy chick? Yes, exactly. So Natalie Portman and a bunch of people have been tied to a chair in a house where they're in this environment where lots of shit is being is mut- mutated, Mutating, yeah. right? And what happens is there's um, they're all tied to the chair and this big mutant bear walks in. Now, the appearance of the mutant bear is that it is bigger than even a normal bear and it's half of its space is exposed. So it's got its jaws and like the bone and everything yep. is exposed. Also, the weird thing about this particular animal is that... It emulates the screams and cries of its last victim. That's right. Which is one of the people they know. So it's doing this thing where it's like, it's like, it's kind of uh, stalking around. They can't move. They can't make any signs. And the bear is almost like looking at them, about to eat them, whatever this happens. And one of the girls, um, the actual one who tied them up, turns out with a gun and really ineffectively fires it at the bear, somehow missing. The bear just jumps and onto her. Pins it down onto the floor, and what I did not expect was the boom. The bear just bites off the bottom half of her head, so her entire jaw is now missing, and it's just the top teeth and the rest of not her head, and I guess exposed like neck and fucking shit like that, right? And I was like, oh shit, when I saw it, because I was like, damn, I thought the bear would just eat her head. No, ate half of her head, or it might have even just. Slapped Spiked. it or something. I can't remember. It was really hard. I was like, oh, shit. And it's like, it's actually gained a bit of notoriety, this scene on the internet. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, quite alarming, uh, but nothing compared to what Paul said. <laughs> so, really, just let's let's just call me a, a cream puff and go on with well, it. Well, no, I, that, that's a worthy addition, <laughs> I think, to the list, especially in a film like that, which you probably weren't expecting. 
Yeah. Which from, is a little bit like, that's why like, like Hot Fuzz for me. Like, you don't expect this great moment of gore. Well, you knew something would happen, but you didn't know they'd go yeah, this but, far. You know, yeah, it's a, that's, a, that's ostensibly a sci-fi film. There's horror elements. Exactly. There's thriller elements, but it's a sci-fi film. Whereas, yeah. and, and Hot Fuzz is an action comedy and then boom. So, I... I give credit to the whole gore in a moment of a film, which you're not expecting that at all. Yeah, because it made me look, oh shit! And then, like as a result, the 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 device of that happening is that you're like, what's going to happen to these other girls? Now? Yeah, you know. Well, it's the call it the Serenity effect, where they kill off a a particular character yeah. in Serenity, and and as the now wash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joss Whedon said, "Look, you know, we wanted everyone to feel the audience feel like anyone could die from yeah. that point forward." Yeah. So, no, it was, it was a great yeah. move. All right, my number five is the seminal piece of horror which has stuck in my memory since I was very young. It's from 1985. It's George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. Mm, okay. This is a zombie apocalyptic film. Oh, it's okay. the third film in it. Night, Living Dead shows the, the dead rising the first time. Dawn, very same thing film. again. And then Day of the Dead is kind of like the dead have pretty much won. They've taken over the world. Not that they were trying to win. They're just eating people. But And people have retreated into basically those who are left alive are in underground bunkers and sort of military-based Things and, and the whole film follows the antagonism between the military who runs this base under Colonel Rhodes, who's the villain of the piece, mm. and a bunch of civilians and the like who are being, I mean, he's like this dictator who's telling them what to do and how to do it. And if they don't do it, threatens to kill them and does kill people, put them in with the zombies when they don't do what he wants. Okay. This is the first one, I should say. This is the first one in the series which, which implies the zombies can learn. And so there's a famous zombie, Bub, who is, is he's being trained by some of the scientists and he's starting to learn rudimentary sort of gestures to to say what okay. it's, it's thinking, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Colonel Rhodes wants Bub put to death and, and treats Bub very badly a couple of times as much as you can for what's effectively a prisoner of war. Anyway, Bub chases him. When, Bub when all, when all, yeah, Bub is okay. the name. Of the, they call the, the zombie Bub. Okay. Bub is chasing Colonel Rhodes when the whole climax is happening. The zombies have got into the base. They're running muck through the base. They're killing everyone left, right and centre. And he shoots Colonel Rhodes once and he's sort of staggering along with his bullet in his side and he opens up this door to this mass of zombies in one of the most famous shots in horror history, lunging through the door at him. And as he goes to turn to run, Bub shoots him again and he kind of just crumples and the zombies fall onto him Mm. and Bub gives him a salute, again implying he's an ex-military guy, this zombie, and then walks away. Meanwhile... Rhodes, the zombies fall upon him and literally tear him in two. Mm-hmm. And so the shot's brilliant because obviously his head's coming out of the ground, but and I had all these animal guts and intestines for where his stomach and viscera were. When they pull him to pieces, they all come spewing out. And apparently, mm-hmm. the smell was god awful. Bloody hell! In the, the heat of the lights and whatever oh, else. Oh yeah, yeah. And so there's a shot of the zombies tra- dragging his legs away mm-hmm. with sort of intestines and whatever falling out. And then all the offal and everything else, his liver and his kidneys are all just spewing all over the ground. And then in one of the most famous lines in horror movie history, he manages to choke out, Choke on I think you, I, I was just wondering if this was the one. Choke on <laughs> And he dies. So eating it. And it was so impressionable for me. As a, I probably watched this as a 12 or 13 year old. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Another piece of the puzzle, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 12 or 13, you saw that. Amazing film. Gross. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, the last good George A. Romero dead film. After that, they all go downhill pretty significantly. So, yeah. But those that trilogy, amazing. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my number four. This episode might be might be subtitled "The Day Wayne Became Very Uncomfortable." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a sick. Okay, well, my number four is um, 
Now, this one isn't... So, in the wake of your choke on it, guts everywhere thing, this isn't that. What it is, though, is the... It was probably the way the person moved and the way it came out that put me off so much. So, it's more that it's off-putting, but it is gory. From Hereditary. Oh, yeah? And it's the piano wire scene. So, yes, exactly. Everyone talks about the car accident scene in this show, but that isn't particularly gory because it's kind of played off-screen. Yes. This here is where Tony Collette saws her own head off with a piano wire. And I remember the spoilers. way she was... Huh? <laughs> spoilers. Sorry. Uh, look, it's spoilers. six years old, seven years old, that film. Oh, look, I assume if you like these movies, you have no soul, so whatever. So, um... <laughs> well, the great thing about our show is... <laughs> Non-judgmental. How we, yeah. <laughs> it's obviously all coming from me. And you're all horror That's fans, so I realise you're That's all hating on me right, right now. I've teed off on people like certain films before. <laughs> Rarely, because ultimately I understand that you know enjoyment is subjective. Yeah, but you know what was probably... unless it's you, in which case you're an idiot. Oh, exactly. Mm. So, um, but this is because she was sort of hanging from it and her doing it to herself. It really put me off. It really put me off, and I was just going, "I'm gonna throw up again." <laughs> even though and this is one of those times, like this is actually a well-made movie for what it is, but I'll never watch it again. So there yeah, you are. You can love a film and never want to watch it again. I think. Totally. Well, I don't say I love it, but it's like, it it's was, I very, appreciate that it's well done. Very good film. I 100% dread, agree. Dread, dread, dread this film. All right. My number four is the one I mentioned on the show quite irregularly, I think, for what it was from 2002 Irreversible, the Gaspar No film. It's a French film which follows Monica Bellucci. Well, actually follows Vincent Cassell and another mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to hunt down the person that, as you eventually reveal, because this whole film is shot with, a, imagine a, a, revol- a revolving oh, yeah. camera. It starts with two, these two guys being, well, one being carried out on a, on a stretcher and the other one being arrested. And then the second scene shows they confront this guy and Vincent Cassell's character, who's the macho kind of one, gets mm-hmm. in a fight with this dude in the middle of this gay um, S&M club. Mm-hmm. And this guy wails on Vincent Cassell, breaks his arm and is about to actually rape him Ugh. when the other dude, who's the demure kind of quiet guy, grabs a fire extinguisher and smashes him in the head. Mm. And now, because this is Gaspar Nomi, what you'd expect then is he falls out of shot. And then, you know, we would see the Bang, downward yep. angle looking up of yep. him going, clang, smash, 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 smash. Maybe some blood sprays on the lens. Maybe it sprays on on, on the character. Mm-hmm. But in a Gaspar No movie, it stays in shot the entire time as he beats this guy's head to a literal pulp. Really? And it's so realistic and it's so disturbing. The lighting's brilliant. Then the film a couple of times does, the camera does a sort of twirl mm-hmm. almost on the, on the y-axis. Yep. Uh, oh, really? Well, it's hard to describe. Is it to so make it upside down? Sideways, upside down yeah. and around again. And yeah, it still stays, but that's obviously where a cut is. And then, bam, pounds him in, pounds him into paste. Wow. Because, and it all turns out because this guy uh, raped. Yeah. I, I, this is one of those yeah. movies that I know about and I can't watch it because if I know the, the actual rape It's so that- cleverly filmed, but it's so impactful. I watched it again, as I was saying today on YouTube. I'm like, holy, even now, 21 years later, I'm like, oh, I can't work out how they did this. It's very cleverly edited. Yeah. And the effects are top notch. And yeah, it's a it's a disturbing, disturbing sequence. And that's why it's my number four. There you are, everyone. Um, okay, well, my number three is a film that I saw many years ago. And I'm pretty sure it was in the movie cinema with Paul at the time. Woo. It is from Event Horizon. Wow. Yeah, so... Is this that? Oh, no, I don't want to spoil it. Go on. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, so... There's a few different here, but basically this this is a it's like a six second scene, right? But it then goes on later on to actually expand upon the scene. The best thing about your choice of this is now I have an out song. 
It's oh my god, that's the funky shit. Oh, is that from that movie? Because from that movie, that that whole film plays out the way it is, and then at the end, it's the prodigies. Oh my god, that's the funky. Oh my, that is the worst fucking song for an end credit ever for this kind of film. Yeah, now that I think about it, absolutely. Of course, I've tried to forget everything. So there's a six second scene where the current crew. So long story short, Sam Neill is this dude who who engineered a wicked wicked ship called the Event Horizon. It basically goes to different dimensions, and he's on this boat, on this another ship with Lawrence Fishburne and a crew, including Jason Isaacs and some other folks, and they're going to find that ship. But it turns out the ship went to hell, everyone, hell, or some facsimile thereof. Okay, and so they are looking at what happened to the crew of that ship, and they're looking through a monitor, which is like showing what happens, and essentially it is that the other crew is in hell. Now, this scene involves. I guess it's just pure gore because it's very it's fast cutting. Very right? fast cutting, but they actually hired amputees and other things to actually do the stuff with the blood, and it's like limbs going into mouths and eyeballs getting cut in half in someone's hand, that kind of thing, right? And I remember looking at it, going, "Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit!" And then Lawrence Fishburne it cuts back to him. He turns off the monitor, looks around, "We're leaving," right? <laughs> and it was actually almost like funny when it happened. And we're cancelling the apocalypse. That's oh, right. Wait, wrong film. That's a wrong film. Exactly. <laughs> but it is particularly like, and then it, from there, it actually gets not worse necessarily, but as bad when the actual, the Sam Neill of it all happens and it actually does come onto their ship. So, That's how I rewatched that movie, I reckon. Well, um, I had, I don't know if I'm I had a cousin of mine actually call me after that movie because we talked about it then he went to see it and he said, this movie freaked me the fuck out and I'm just calling you to tell me it freaked me out. And I went, oh, okay, well, you have a good night. Right? So that was it. Um, yeah, Event Horizon. Uh, nice. feel, feel free to watch it again, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> My number three, Wayne, might actually have been on your top ten films in the first year of the podcast from 2015. This is interesting. Bone Tomahawk. That's my number two. <laughs> yeah, we are. We've got a crossover. Okay, good. I Just, assume we're talking about... Of course the, we're talking about that scene, Paul. Yeah, poor Deputy Nick. Tell us about it. Well, no, I, I think you should talk about it because this is much more amusing if you do it. All right, fine. Well, what happens is Bone Tomahawk is a Western and Kurt Russell's in it and it's set where these, uh, I guess, settlers... Is he a sheriff or something? He's a sheriff. Yeah, he's a sheriff. He's a sheriff. And they're going into the wilderness where they were... How do they... These so are what, what, cannibals, what but they're called something else. Well, in, no, they were a Native American tribe called the Troglodytes. Troglodytes, that's what they call them. And... What happens in the film is that for whatever reason they raid this town and they kidnap Deputy Nick yep. and Lily Simmons's character, yeah, the, the girl, which is Patrick Wilson's wife, right, and someone else I think I can't remember. Anyway, they take them back, and so the sheriff, along with Patrick Wilson and Matthew Fox, yes, Matthew, Fox. and then Richard Jenkins, the yep. four of them, I think maybe there's one other dude who dies very quick. They go after. They them. go after them to try to hunt them down and rescue, particularly Patrick Wilson's wife, as well as I think David Arquette might have been taken as well. Yes, and Jack from Lost is a particularly cool character, as yep. I recall, because he goes out there and he's like, I'm, I'm yeah, just he's like this dandy kind of gentleman. And yeah. Anyway, I guess anyway, so I guess the point where it's just Richard Jenkins and uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. And they are locked up in the cell and... I think the girl's there too. And the girl's alive. Yeah, the girl's and alive. And Deputy Nick's alive. Yes. Up until a point. Yes. Then what happens is the troglodytes, who are clearly cannibals, weird people mm-hmm. or something, walk in, they grab the Deputy Nick out of his cage, out of his Yeah, because they thing. tried to poison them from memory and, and then they worked out that they'd done that and yeah. That's right. And it worked out. So now, huh, this scene involves Kurt Russell and the people in that their cage looking on in hopeless terror as he watches... 
these chocolate dates, first they grab Deputy Nick and they scalp him, proper styles. Proper style. You see the whole so thing. You see the whole thing. You see his top of his head. Which the brain. Craig Zala, this guy, he's not known for flinching at violence. Oh, his God. Films. Is, yeah, okay, well, apparently. He's screaming and screaming. And what is the worst thing about it is as they what they start doing is that happens, then they turn him upside down. There's probably bits in the middle here that I'm skipping wait, out. Wait, you are skipping out. Please. So, they scalp him, they take his scalp and stuff it in his mouth and yeah. then they slam this, this is what I was alluding to earlier in the episode, slam this sort of wooden stake into his mouth kind yes. of gagging him. Through, you know, I don't know whether it goes through the back of his throat or not but he's mm-hmm. still clearly alive. They turn him upside down, they hold his legs open and... <sighs> and they just split him like a chicken, okay? <laughs> they just split him like a chicken with a goddamn like this thing and it's like crack, 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 crack and you hear and this Wayne's thing. like... Inconceivable! Because, well, and I'm what? like... What? No! What is... what? That that itself is like because again it's a western, all right, and you don't expect that to turn up in here. But what's happening as well is because again I watched this again just to get across it and mm-hmm. fuck you. Me people. too. Um, <laughs> and, so, and Kurt whoa, Russell, whoa, 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 he's whoa, sort of like on. looking on in hopeless terror, and he starts cursing the cannibals. And the only comfort he can provide this guy is to promise vengeance to him. And he's like, he's like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do this, Nick. We're going to get to him. And then he just sort of trails off when he sees what's happening. And you're watching it as well. And I'm like, to be honest with you, it's the sound that gets me more than anything. Because like, the, oh, the visuals were incredible. It so. was insane. And I'm like, oh, man. And then, but what happened with this show is the reason that I said it was like one of the better movies that I'd seen, right? Is that up to that point, that's a feature of the movie, sure. But. For so, I remember that the actual plot and the characters in the movie and looking for the spoon and things like that that happened in the beginning of the movie, it's actually a well-made, well-written film and the characters themselves. This thing is so out of the blue for me, anyway, that you're actually these well-rounded It's certainly violent up until that point, but it's not like that. Not like that, right? So these well-rounded characters are acting like in a way that you, you buy them as characters and then they're put in this situation where someone's getting fucked up in front of them and so all of their trailing off and stuff really works. I remember the woman being particularly calm, where she was like, "Yeah, they ate the guy before, you know, like this kind of thing." Well, she was traumatized. She was yeah, I guess in so. Complete guess shock so. and numb. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's Bone Tomahawk. My number three, Wayne's number two. Yeah. So we're back to you for your which number brings two. me back to my number two, which is from Terrifier Two. Bloody hell! You don't have to watch that one, Wayne. It's just the good because this one is like 150 minutes long. This film. What? It's, it don't was made without any studio backing and, and just completely independent, and all on the money that they raised with the face, face, first one. They spent it pretty much all on special effects, including this, the most graphic death scene I think in movie history. All right, here we go. Now I've ruled out things like I didn't include something like a Serbian story or yeah, Serbian, Serbian film, yeah. Serbian film on my list because that's just fucked up. <laughs> You're like this ain't, but yeah, I know yeah, what you mean. But like, that's worse because it's worse. also happening to kids. And yeah, kids, I know. So no, I, just no, couldn't, I, just, I didn't want to go down that road. Honestly, I don't even want to think about I it. I want to go down that road, so I, I stuck it two or stuck two sort of things happening. Largely, you went to Georgie, but that's fine. I'm not having a go at you. Just please, saying. please go ahead. This one is Art the Clown again, who's back from the dead in this film, and he follows Ali, played by Casey Hartnett, to her home. And he slashes, grabs her in her bedroom and slashes a scalpel down her face, again, cutting through the eyeball. Of course. Very quickly. Sure. But that's just the start. Because then he scalps her, like mm-hmm. Bone Tomahawk, mm-hmm. and he shoves, he throws the, the her scalpel Scalp away, away, and then he stabs her through the spine and starts ripping the, the knife back down there, opening up her back. Mm-hmm. And then he grabs an arm that's flailing about and bends it backwards and snaps it and then rips it off. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other, um, he grabs, and between the middle and ring fingers, 
with two hands, mm-hmm. rips sideways, tearing them yep. in yep. two, uh-huh. and like sure. literally bisecting <laughs> the hand. And then, because this is the kind of film it is, he grabs bleach and pours it over her, mm-hmm. and then rubs literal salt into her wounds. Of course, she's and she's not alive. dead yet because he's a supernatural entity that can somehow prolong his victims' lives and all that kind of stuff. Which the film kind of makes some weird, almost packed with you as the audience, but. Yeah. It is so full on. And then the mum comes home and finds her still sort of twitching and still not. And then before Art kills her as well. So I'm like the girl from Bone Tomahawk where I'm just now traumatized <laughs> and just, I'm just kind of seeing it happen. <laughs> All right, Lily Simmons, go back through your 10 through two and then give us your number one. <sighs> okay. <laughs> um, righto. So. My number 10 was Poltergeist. This is like, this is like so bullshit compared to Paul's thing. Number nine was Hannibal, the brain eating scene. Uh, number eight was It Chapter One, the, the you know, Georgie George, yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, Saving Private Ryan, just a walk in the park. I don't know if you need to describe them again. We've Fine. done it. Six, done Overlord. Five, Annihilation. Four, Hereditary. Three, Event Horizon. Two, Bone Tomahawk. And my number one was Ooh. Paul's favorite film, ladies and gentlemen Mother. Oh, fuck off. Okay, now hang on a sec. Because if you're talking about this nasty shit, long story short, without going into what Mother is about, being a metaphor of that of, you know, God and yada yada. Essentially, the scene, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. At the end, a baby gets murdered and eaten. It is, in fact, Jennifer Lawrence's baby. I'd stopped giving a fuck by this point in time. Yes, the film see, now, this the thing. no I'm, impact on me whatsoever. Now, now, Paul's disdain for the film is what probably uh, allows him to not even give a shit about mm-hmm. this, but... The idea here is that, you know, Jennifer Lawrence is Mother Nature. So uh, is the baby the Earth? No, the baby's... I thought the baby was Jesus. That probably is. Uh, but I could be wrong. But uh, yes, uh, and, and everyone just basically destroys like the, the, the baby and eats it. And you see every single thing about it from it coming out to it being <laughs> led away to them chunking it up and eating it with v- vigor, by the way. Which, of course, was allowed <laughs> by... What's his name? The dude. Who's the dude? Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem, who is, of course, God. God. Because he's a writer. That's what Can I just hated. remind Please. everyone, Darren Aronofsky. Fuck you, fuckball. <laughs> How about fuck horror movies, fuckball? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let's face it, I'm too traumatized to keep going, so that's my number one. Paul, go to your number All right, one. God. <laughs> Running through my list through 10 through to Final Destination 2, 10, 9, Hot Fuzz, 8, The New York Ripper, 7, The First Terrifier, 6, Inside, 5, Day of the Dead, 4, Irreversible, Bone Tomahawk at my number three. So I did have one crossover. Wait. Number two, Terrifier 2. My number one had to be, even though it is way more playful and way more enjoyable and way more fun, this scene goes on for a good 20 minutes. What is it? It is the finale of Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead Alive. Well, this is technically a comedy, so I'm fine with that. Go ahead, Polly. This is a film about a Sumatran monkey rat, whatever, that bites people, and that apparently is a curse. Peter Jackson film, right? Peter Jackson film Early before film. he was the, the director of mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings and all the rest of it. Where So this guy, this asshole mother who turns out is a really, really bad person. Well, you can tell that very quickly from her interactions with poor Lionel, the protagonist of the film. She gets bitten and turns into this huge zombie and meanwhile infects all these other people and then... It all culminates in this big party that his asshole uncle who's come over and trying to take over the whole family estate and take all the money away throws. And so it's sort of set in the 50s or early, I think it's the 50s. Hmm. And all these people descend on this and it just becomes this smorgasbord of gore 
because the zombies the escape out of yeah it ends with a lawnmower yeah but before then we have a zombie baby that's doing things like grabbing half heads and dropping them into a blender mm. we have organs that have their own life seemingly oh. they come on the they're strangling people and farting and oh, okay in a farting. comedic kind of ways and yeah people being stabbed torn apart ripped arms off whatever everything else and then Lionel in an act of desperation pulls out the lawnmower lifts it up turns it on and starts wading through these zombies yeah. as blood geysers everywhere they're chopped you see shots of them being chopped to pieces mm. and it's so inventive it's so incredible Peter Jackson was a gore splatter director it's hard to believe yeah, I know it's really is hard, he before goes, he did Heavenly Creatures and then before he did The Frighteners and then he did The Lord of the Rings isn't so. it like Lovely Bones and stuff like that like, and The Lovely Bones was after Lord of the Rings, I think. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, I could be wrong. And he's just been basically going to sleep at night and piles of money ever since. So Absolutely. But he started here and with Bad Taste and with Meet the Feebles. And this is one of the greatest climaxes to not just a zombie film, not just a horror film, to any film ever. It is so triumphant. It is so fucking cool. These guys just tell me about. is so ridiculous. I went to a late night screening of I this. I remember. For the second time. Did you come to this one? No, I didn't because you guys would. Oh, wait. At uh, the no, Lumiere. No, you guys kept talking about, yeah, you could like, people, I could ask for the Lord. You, you yeah, I could ask the Lord was another great gore moment in the, yeah. in the film. But the people were jumping and dancing, stomping in the aisles at how, how really? they loved this particular film. It was so, it was one of the best cinematic experiences that I've ever had. Really? Yeah. This is big. Hence why it's my number one. It's not as disturbing. No, it's not because it's no, all no, fantastical no. In and fact, silly. In fact, I could probably not shit But Terrified too is fantastical and silly too. Like if someone can stay alive through the rest of that stuff. But it's just it's played much more meanly than Brain Dead Hence is. Hence, and yeah, Brian exactly. Tomahawk is played very realistically and Irreversible is played very realistically. That's so what it is. Honestly, if you, you went for you know which one's more disturbing, this wouldn't be number one. But my most memorable, the one that yeah. I watched as a barely 18-year-old in the cinema twice, by mm. the way. One of the first films I ever saw twice in the cinema. Brain Dead is my number one. Nice one. Okay, again, for you Americans. Dead Alive. Wayne, any honorable mentions? Uh, they're just as cream puffy as my last ones, but uh, do you remember in Gone Girl where um, Neil Patrick Harris Poor got old Barney. his throat? Yeah, Barney got his throat. <laughs> That's surprisingly horrible. All of Tusk? Because um, <laughs> at the end, Justin Long is like a half walrus thing, but he's got his tongue cut out, so he can't fucking... It's gross. Right? Um, <laughs> Such a stupid movie. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, this is the classic, but the chest poster in Alien really had a bit of an effect upon yeah, me. sure. Because I'm like, ugh. And, but it's, it's, it's because it's classic now, it's not a thing. And the curb stomp on American History yeah. X is not really gory. It's just, holy shit. So, yeah. I, yeah. Get, I understand all those ones. I've got uh, Hostel from 2005. Yeah, the eyeball being pulled out of someone and then cut off with all the, the, the pus Ooze. oozing out yep. of it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I haven't seen it, but yeah. Final Destination 3 has a car engine in the back of the head, which gets knocked out of the engine, blocking into the back of someone's head. That's Is it a spinning fan and chop, chop, chop? Yeah, yep. Okay. It's yep. quite memorable. And not a death, but less uh, more a real moment that made me cringe. And in the last few years, in fact, this year, from one of my favorite films of the year, I'm talking about Evil Dead Rise, cheese grater to the leg. I was there for that, wasn't I? Yeah. I can. I think I blocked it up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, well um, and she's going to the appendage. I've literally bought it yesterday on 4K, so I'm looking forward to watching that one again. Weirdo. There so- we are. Before <laughs> you can still buy things on 4K, because apparently physical media is yeah, going media's out, right? the fuck away. So I'm trying to get in. I got John Wick 4, and I bought Across the Spider-Verse as well. So I want to get well, the as price many of these things. Yeah, like, could you be able to sell it? It'll all go underground, right? Who's going to make buddy Blu-rays underground? Well, go for long enough in the future. Let me ask you this, just Become on that rare point. Because like Blu-ray discs, you cannot get any streaming that's as good quality as that. Am I right? I don't think it's... Right? I don't know about Blu-ray, but 4K for sure. I, oh, sorry, Blu- yeah, I've... 21, 2160 streaming looks pretty bloody good. Yeah. Is it? Really? Mm. 
I've downloaded them and it doesn't. It looks uh, okay. Is it the same? It depends on what your screen can output. Ah, uh, that would be. Yeah. If it's on a computer monitor, which is Shit. in your case ten years old. Yeah. Or well, no, that's not that old. Six, seven years old. Pretty old. Yeah. No, ah, okay. No, it's not going to cut it. Cool. Nice, nice. All right, good to know. All right, there we are. That's Alice. What about yours? We wrap up every episode of the countdown with your feedback on the topic at hand in a segment that we call the Pop Ten. Talk about Pop Ten. Talk about. This week's Pop 10 with the aforementioned John Hislander who said, I'm just going to describe the scene without giving the movie name. Mm. Man with lawnmower versus room of zombie thanks to a Sumatran rat monkey. There you are. Number three. Number two. Man may be the warmest place to hide, but a dog is apparently the goriest, which I have to assume is from Alien 3. And then number one, something about a piano wire and a jilted woman. Yep. Was that yours? It's hereditary. It's It's got to be. Oh, wait. No, it's that audition. audition. Yeah. Yes. Which I've not seen. I just saw it in the research. There you go. Timothy Williams had Evil Dead Three, Evil Dead Two Thousand Thirteen. Sorry, electric knife arm cut. Number two, Hostel Achilles chopped out and dude collapsing. And again, number one, Hostel eyeball popping out. Then the stringy veiny thing holding the eye gets cut with scissors and pus oozes out. <laughs> uh. Stephen Croon said, "I love me some gore in films, but three scenes that always maybe wince are the genital mutilation from Antichrist, really, man being cut in half from Bone Tomahawk, sure." And the fire extinguisher kill from Irreversible. Okay. couple of which on my list. Mm-hmm. Matt Evans, patron of the show, had Hannibal at number three, wild boar eating scene. That's not your scene? Don't think so. No? Okay. I don't remember that one. Sorry. Matt, number two, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, nearly every single kill. And number one, another film from S. Craig Zahler, Brawl and Cellbox 99, Vince does the head stomp. And I do remember that. You do see it? Okay. Yeah. I see that. It's good. We should watch that movie. It's a good film. Yeah. Good film. Vince Vaughn. Oh. Robert Fuller, number three, Bride of Chucky, Roadside Surprise. I've seen that movie. So I can't remember that scene. Mm-hmm. Number two, Day of the Dead, Chocada. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my throat's now sore, but number one, Slither, I'm so hungry. Slither. Yeah. Okay. James Gunn film. Oh, really? You should watch it. It's from got Liz- got, his... got Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks in it. And it's a horror? Yes. James Gunn did horror. James Gunn was all horror when he started. He was Troma Boy. Ah, oh, I forgot. Mm-hmm. There you go. Smile Samani, mate to us, said, I'm glad you started on gory scenes. There's some absolute gruesome shit out there. My number three, brain dead lawnmower scene. Mm -hmm. Number two, Nightmare on Elm Street, original Glenn's death, Johnny Depp dying, being sucked into the bed in a geyser of blood exploding out onto the ceiling. Oh, okay. I think I have seen that. Number one, Cabin in the Woods, Monsters Unleashed. Yeah, nice one there. Thank you, Smiley. Another mate to the show, Jared DeMeza. Number two, Terrifier 2, The Bedroom, which is what I had. Uh uh Uh, Doesn't have any order, but Terrifier 1, Sawn in half, vag first, as you wrote, <laughs> and then brain dead lawnmower. So if Jared and I are in lockstep, then no, you can he's, tell. No, he's, he's the dude for this. We're all over it. Thank you, Jared. David Powell, thank you for drinking the other night, sir. Again, I'll skip Bone Tom Hawk and the Terrifier films as givens. Number three, The Furies, axe, face, scrape. Number two, Riccio, arm tendon tying with his teeth, intestine strangulation. It's all good. Uh-huh. Number one, Martyrs, where's all my skin gone? So glad I've seen none of those. Another one. <laughs> very, very nice, sir. Thank you. Luke James Human, the degloving in Gerald's game. Okay. I've heard of this one. I've seen that movie. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yep. Number two, Leandra murdering John C. McGinley with an axe in the Belco experiment. I love the Belco experiment. It was a great film in my top ten of that particular year. Hmm. Number one, Alex Kittner being turned into sea soup in Jaws. Is the boy where the mum slaps. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. There's lots of blood. Uh, Bubbling and gurgling up. Um, yeah, again, Spielberg playing in a PG-13 world in 1975. Could do whatever you wanted back then, everyone. Daniel Lowe said, the cheese grater to the leg. There you go. He's like, in Evil Dead Rise. Number two, the trap from Spiral that rips your fingers off. 
Yeah, I, be- I vaguely remember that one. Uh, number one, not a horror film, but the scene when Jesus is getting whipped in Passion of the Christ, by far the hardest thing I've had, ever had to sit through. Also yeah. something I've, I've not watched because I heard of that. I've seen it and I, I do, oh, a long time ago, what's that, 20 years ago? I think Siskel and Ebert, whatever, he actually said, this is the most violent film I've ever seen. Okay, Mel Gibson directed. <laughs> yeah. And Nick Orton had, so the last three, Nick Orton had four. A couple that stay with me after watching as a kid. Pencil on the foot and he'll dead. Zombie bite on the shoulder and dawn of the dead. And scalping and splitting prisoner and bone tomahawk. So with that and lawnmower man. Lawnmower man. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking lawnmower man. <laughs> that and brain dead yeah. seem to be the consistent ones. Gary Stevenson had reanimator at number one. Brain dead at number two. And Turistas at number three. I don't remember the Turistas one that's so gross. I remember seeing the film. But uh, okay, Gary, mm-hmm. I'd like to hear which particular kill you were talking about there. Tony Dobbish had... Society, the finale, Wild, Dead Alive, aka Braindead, The Lawnmower, mm-hmm. and number, oh, and his last one mentioned, Inside Pregnant Cutout Scene. <laughs> and I'm going to give the last word to the person that you shout out through the course of the episode, Brianna Petty, mm-hmm. Terrified to the Bedroom. Ah, two, okay. S- two, two, yes, two, the bedroom scene. So she to- brought your attention to it, but she actually chose the one that I had ah. higher on my list. There, there we are. are. It's time to wrap up the disturbing nature of this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm already trying I'm to forget it. It's fascinating to see whether this one will get any downloads at all, slash people <sighs> will listen to see how much of a snowflake Wayne oh, can yeah. be. Most deaf. <laughs> no doubt, boo. And now you have your answer, by the way. How do the good folk get in touch with us and let us know the feedback on anything countdown related? They can. <laughs> they can. I'm still recovering, so... <laughs> You can su- you Google the Countdown Podcast, find all of our socials, give us some shizzle, tell us stuff. Give us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com and our website is thecountdownpodcast.com. Already mentioned the Facebook listener community, so follow us on Podbean where we host the show. Like it there as well. And of course on X, we are the Countdown PC. That's it for today's show, episode 445. Wayne, next week for 446. I think I've come up with something that's a little bit interesting. Yes, this is Paul's idea, and we'll always see how it all goes. Uh, we are doing the top 10 films you've probably never heard of. That's right. The all-time hidden gens episode. Now, this is always like, because we got some real film fuckers in the audience. Oh, yes. David Powell, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, and, you know, so the idea when you listen to a movie podcast or whatever podcast we are now, is that you're getting the benefit of the experience of people who have to watch movies all the fucking time. Yeah, especially for the last well, eight exactly. and a half years. And by the way, this is Paul's jam, by the way, because Paul has seen every fucked up video that you haven't, no one rented <laughs> in the in, in the blockbuster back in the I, day. Look, look, we both watch films that probably films, often they'll be forgotten too. So yes, you watch forgotten. Through, yeah, so we'll, it'll be a mixture of that stuff and I hope we can find at least a few that you haven't heard of or we can now recommend for you to see. And we're going to have a little bit of a competition, maybe. So, for a, I think for a t shirt, Wayne? How many, a, yeah, why not? For a t shirt, who has, and it's going to be by the honor system, there's no way to, to check <laughs> this out, of course. So, of our list, who has seen the most? We're going to ask in the Facebook community, yeah. join up there if you want to get involved on, on Facebook. And we're going to ask people who's seen the most of these films, and whoever has can earn themselves a new countdown t shirt with the new logo on it. I just realized I'm in this shit because most, I'm a, I'm a mainstream boy. I'm going to have to think about this one, Polly. <laughs> Start thinking now. We've got all week. We've settled on, on a topic well in advance. That's nice for a change. Brilliant. That's us. Well, that's us. That is also us and the episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard and what I should have said to Wayne before the episode started. Bitches leave. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you next time. See ya.